Hello, all you beautiful people. I hope things are going well for you. Um, this week was a little bit of a roller coaster for us, but I think that's kind of typical for everyone. Um, some days just kind of feel like you're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that this is happening. How long is this going to be going on for? And then other days you kind of just get into a different routine and you're thinking about different little things that you want to do around the house and you just kind of putter around and feel kind of productive and things are okay. Um, yeah, we've been feeling a little lonely lately. Just, um, like, I mean, we're really fortunate. We have, um, like each other, we have our kids and um, it is really nice having that family time. But then, you know, you, you miss your friends and you miss your other family. And you just kind of think, oh, wow, it would be really nice to be able to hang out and um, give you a hug and, and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, that's been a little that's been a little hard. But doing being able to do like any kind of video calling is really wonderful. It's a great way of you know, making up for not being able to see them in person, in a sense. So that's been good. Um, I've definitely been talking on the phone way more than I usually do. I'm not much of a phone person, honestly, but lately I guess I kind of am. And uh, and that's been mostly nice. But uh, yeah, this week I've been feeling a little overwhelmed. Um, I think because, you know, we I don't have anything to go outside the house to, you know, nothing outside the house to do. Um, there's, it's kind of allowed for more time, uh, for me to kind of think, I guess, in a sense, it's kind of like an overwhelming lots to do because our kids, uh, like we're homeschooling them now. And, um, you know, we're still trying to, like Sean is working from home and I'm still trying to do some optimistically depressed stuff, but I've also been really overwhelmed by social, social media. So I haven't really been much of a presence on there lately. And, uh, but also I guess I've been just kind of thinking through more things that, Maybe it's that more things kind of allow themselves to bubble up. So certain things that have been bothering me probably for years are now kind of coming to the surface and it's been overwhelming. So that's been kind of one of those things that's happening this week. Um, so before all of the uh, self-isolation and quarantining happened, I got to do this interview with Abigail and it was so great being able to talk with her. I got to meet her, I think, the week before we did the podcast. And uh, we met through a friend. And we ended up having this absolutely fascinating conversation. Um, her and I actually have uh, backgrounds that are shockingly similar. And it's just interesting because it seems that we are, uh, I'd say our journey has been a little has been similar um I'm definitely not as far along as she is but it was really interesting um when I was able to talk with her there were a lot of things that I was saying that I had been through and she was just like yeah that's that's where like that's where I had been and so it was definitely fascinating and insightful in a way like just to be able to talk with someone who really has this like good idea of what I've been through and and what I'm thinking 
And uh, she's a very insightful person. She's very, uh, you can tell that everything that she says, like she's really thought it out. She's done her research. And and that is just, it's so cool. She like has kind of talked about a lot of things that I never really thought about or, or never really knew. And so that was really interesting. I really enjoyed talking about those things with her. And she's very encouraging. Um, She's just like a very powerful woman, very encouraging, and I really enjoyed being able to do this interview with her, and I know that all of you are going to enjoy it as well. Um, So that's that. Uh, Everybody, I hope that you're staying safe and that you're doing okay, and remember it's okay to not feel okay. This is definitely one of those times that a lot of emotions are going to be going everywhere and and mental health is definitely something that's suffering through this and we are all in this together the entire world is in this and we we all you know for the first time in a long long time potentially in history the whole world actually understands has a good understanding of what the rest of the world is feeling so you're not alone and um, you're doing okay. We are going to get through this and I just, I love you all. So enjoy this interview with Abigail. Hello. Hey. Hello. <laughs> so we got together last week and yeah. we had a great conversation. I It left me, like, I was thinking about it for a while afterwards. Oh, really? oh yeah. I'm, okay. Well, I'm still thinking about it because you just brought Ooh. up so many, like, interesting things. You are definitely a person that is, you spend time, like, you can tell you spend time thinking about things. Right. And you're analyzing it. You're, like, figuring out, okay, so then how does this, like, apply to the world? How does this apply to my life? Yes. And... You're very well-spoken. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, so good. And I, uh, I'm, yeah, so I've been looking forward to having yeah. you on the podcast because I want to kind of like have a round two of that yeah. discussion we had. I'm excited. This is going to be good. It's going to be good. Fire at will. Yes. Okay. So the thing I think I want to get to first yeah. is talking about your journey with your mental health. Right. Because um, it sounds like you and I have a pretty similar story, yeah. which is weird. Yeah, it's uncanny. Yeah. it's. I want to get to know. I want to interview you at some point because <laughs> I'm like, I want to find out how similar our stories are because that is really unusual. It is very unusual. Yeah. It's pretty and cool. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And you know what? We can just ask each other questions yeah. as we go along I would here. like to do that. And yeah. then when you start up your own podcast... I will definitely be interviewing you. And plus the fact that you've got three kids as well. Instantly, I'm like, it, you know, when you meet people with three kids, you're like, you get it. You get you're it. You're part of that club. Yes. Of insanity. The, yes. <laughs> the three kid club. Because Ooh. that third kid is the, the nail in the ball. coffin. Oh, yes, my gosh. Yes, it's the nail in the coffin. That's the perfect it way. To it's, me, it's, it's like over. the severing of all of your previous life. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, it, nope. It's gone now. Yep. I'm yeah. done now. I'm yeah. this is this is now my life. This is I'm the new home. normal. Yeah, I'm at home constantly cleaning like snot yeah. off of the wall. Yes. This is my life. Yeah. But I feel like when you have your first 
you've got this attachment to your past where you can kind of get away with being a bit selfish. You can tag team yeah. and one of you can go off and do the things you used to do. Yeah. And then the second is like the severing starts. But by the third, you've got literally barely any memory of that previous life. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, wait, we used to just do what? What? How? What did we do with our time? <laughs> literally. What? Yes. You're like, I must have had so much extra time. What did I do with it? I know. And then like, and then you're like, and then how did I think of that? I was really, really busy. Yeah. Because like, but the thing is, I can still kind of be like, yeah, you are still like really busy, but it's like, it's almost like you're able though, when you don't have kids to kind of put the pause on. Yeah. But I think what I've seen in mothers particularly is the efficiency level just gets better and better. The more kids you have, the more you zero in on what's important and you become so efficient, right? Because you have to. Yes. Which I love. I, it's yes. Yeah. Uh, I can't, I find myself like constantly having this like conversation with, with myself where I'm like, does that really need to like be addressed? Does that yeah. need to be done? Do I need to do that? Like, no, nope. yeah. turns out I don't. Doesn't no. really matter. It definitely helps with efficiency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And dying to self on a astronomical level. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, but, amen. Yeah. So the mental health journey. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say the mental health journey started long before my awareness of it. Yes. So. It, and that seems to be the case. Yeah. With so far, like everyone that I've spoken with, they're like, oh, yeah, once when I realized that there were mental health issues, I, like it had, they'd been going on for oh, quite a while before. Decades. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's what what with me is it was the trigger. And that's what's fascinating. I was just thinking on the way over is that my third child was the trigger for me Mm -hmm. and I had probably postpartum but it was undiagnosed Mm -hmm. um but I look back and it had been going on a lot longer than that but he was a massive trigger to make the lights go out at that time so that was seven years ago Mm -hmm. um but the funny thing is what I've realized is that I would never look at my son and blame him for being that trigger And yet it's so easy for me. The further back I go looking at my past, the easier it is to blame. So I look at my son and I'd never say, well, he's the result of my depression. Right. But I can look at my childhood and it's much easier for me to rather see things as triggers, but to see it as the... um, the reason for why I'm dealing with what I'm dealing with today is because of the type of childhood I had. Mm -hmm. And yet I would never do with that with things that have happened more recently. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I I know know that some things are definite like reasons for why we deal with things, but now I've started to look further back than my childhood and look at biology of the hand of cards that I was dealt. Mm. Even if I'd been in a very a perfect nurturing loving environment people can be born into families like that and still have bipolar or schizophrenia yeah mm-hmm. you know it doesn't prevent those biological issues being there it might exacerbate them and trigger them earlier and mm-hmm. create much more problems but now i realize i think i've blamed too much of it on my past my struggles that i struggle with today not just in mental health but in in life I oh, well, that's because of my childhood. But now I'm looking at it like, oh, I think I was just dealt a certain set of cards biologically and I'm having to walk those things out. Mm. Um, and that's been really helpful for me because it's helped me take responsibility rather than just looking at my past going, oh, well, this is just because of that and I can't do anything about it. 
I like that. Right. Yeah. It's and, definitely helpful. Yeah. Because then it's like, instead of spending a lot of your time trying to point blame, you're just, you shift your focus to looking for solutions or. Yeah, absolutely. Or part of me goes, oh, maybe this is part of the human condition. So I struggle with, say, the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I was homeschooled. I don't have an education. I've never had a real career. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for me to look at that and go, well, that's because I was homeschooled and I could never be a lawyer or a doctor because this was the hand that I was dealt in my childhood. Mm -hmm. But then I'll talk to someone of my age who is a doctor or a lawyer or dentist or whatever, and they struggle with the imposter syndrome as well. And then I think, okay, this might be just part of the human condition rather than it being because of this happening in my past. There's certain things that I have to wade through just because I'm a human. And then there's other things I have to wade through because of my biology, that I had a disposition towards depression because my dad struggled with depression and his dad. And Mm -hmm. it was almost like the perfect storm. Mm -hmm. And it was waiting for a trigger Mm -hmm. that happened later in life. But there was a shadow over my life even before that point because of my biology. I like the way that you describe it as a shadow over your life because that I think perfectly describes what depression feels like. It's just like this shadow. Yeah, it's just the shadow that's over your life. Pain in the ass. Pain in the ass. And uh, I was actually recently reading um, this book. I can't remember the name of it. But basically the woman does like a lot of research on on depression and on um, on happiness and what kind of brings it into her life, what kind of brings about a person's disposition. And one of the things that she said that totally like that just really stuck out to me because it was like, oh, my gosh, like that. I didn't realize this was that 50 percent of our disposition, predisposition disposition is made up is just biological yeah we actually don't have control over that yes we are biologically geared towards yes being a more happy-go-lucky person yeah. or a more kind of pessimistic like oh ho-hum your yeah. yeah kind of person the <laughs> yeah the shadow and yeah. it's yeah and then but you get what you get right and the interesting thing is is if I had a happy disposition which I would love to have oh, I would probably just eat cake all day and be really fat <laughs> <laughs> I would because for me the struggle has propelled me into wanting to be more free as a person and as a result of that I've had to discipline myself mm. in so many areas that I never would have bothered with at all I literally would have just eaten cake all day because <laughs> to me it's like I'm trying to feel better inside and that makes me do a lot of external things to help me get there yes and so my weakness that I have to carry has actually created a whole regime that has made me like, oh, work out at the gym, which I never did a few years ago. Like I only just started doing that, but that Mm. was all mental health driven. And then getting proper sleep and eating well and listening to podcasts so that I'm not ruminating and overthinking in my mind. I, Mm. I listen to someone else to take my mind off myself. And, you know, there's just so many different, I do meditation and all of these things I never would have done if happiness had landed on my lap because I wouldn't have needed to. And maybe that would have been great, but this is what I've got. And as a result of it, it's a story. Like the story comes because of these 
biological hand downs that you just have to deal with. Like, okay, this is what I got dealt. How am I going to work with this area of weakness? Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether it's become a straight, you know, the, the stereotypical, your weaknesses become your strength. But what it has become is this story to tell because mm. all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, I do this and I do that and I have to do it as the whole thing starts to unravel. Yes. And then it's just everything turns to custard. So it's it's <laughs> definitely... I love that. <laughs> well, it does, doesn't it? Let's face it. <laughs> if I drop the ball on any of these things, the whole thing goes to shit. Like, yeah. it's just not a good idea. So for me, okay. like, the summer holidays and the Christmas holidays are really challenging because that's when routine goes out the window. Yes. And that's where I have to fight for these things that are normally in a regular routine much easier. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it's just like I have to hang on to these, whereas other people who don't struggle would let them slip and they're okay. You know, they can get away with it. I can't get away with it. Yes. Ultimately. So then can you give us an idea of what your day looks like, how you maintain that routine to help maintain? Yeah. So right now, get up at quarter to seven and the first hour is a, a total gong show because I've got to get three kids to school by eight yeah but then I get them to school by eight and I've timed it that I can do a meditation I call it um freedom from influence meditation from dropping the kids off at school to getting to the gym so while I'm driving I do the freedom from influence meditation which has been it's my new toy like it's my new revelation about how to uh be more free from other people's influence in my life so, so is that like you don't play anything in your, in your car, like you're completely silent? I do this thing where, first of all, I do a certain breathing exercise that um, helps your nervous system relax and pay attention. It's breathing through your nose, nose and then oh, you do this long, like get all the breath out. Okay. And that's an actual vibration that draws your nervous system to attention and basically it's telling it it can relax it's a safe place so I do that three times as I'm driving and then this freedom from influence I don't know if I'll do it any justice because it's just a new concept for me it's this idea that you can only be free from other people's influence if you first set them free from your influence (laughs) yeah this is a big one for me okay so basically um you know, I'm always looking at how other people are influencing me, mm-hmm. but actually the only way I can be free is understanding that I'm influencing them. So a really kind of basic analogy would be, let's say you've got Jenny, who's very passive and Johnny, she's married to Johnny, who's controlling, right? And Jenny wants to be free from the control that she feels from Johnny, say. Okay. How she would do that from freedom from influence is understanding that she's influencing Johnny to be controlling. By being passive. By being passive, because it aggravates and influences that person to take charge, to be more domineering. But the self-awareness part is, oh, passive. If you're passive, you're still controlling. You're controlling through procrastination, denial, avoidance. That's still control, right? So Jenny's controlling Johnny and influencing Johnny by being evasive, passive, um, in denial, you know, avoiding. Mm-hmm. And that aggravates the control because the, Johnny's more assertive and it winds him up more and more. The more that Jenny's being uh, uh, like avoiding, mm-hmm. the more likely 
that Johnny's going to influence her by being controlling. So it's this cause and effect. And through for me, that that's taking responsibility for my part. How am mm -hmm. I influencing others? And it's the same like with rejection, right? When you've got a fear of rejection, you're far more likely to get rejected or perceive things as rejection. Okay. This is that, a biggie. Yes, it huge. is. Because personally speaking, that's a huge thing for yes. me. Fear of rejection, hello. I know. And abandonment. Ah. And the interesting thing is, so for me, this is the same. So I'm, I use the control passive because that seems to be very stereotypical in a lot of relationships. But personally, for me, the rejection thing is massive and abandonment. Abandonment. Oh, But yeah. what I've realized is I influence through my fear of rejection. I influence others. So I'm far more likely, most likely to perceive things as rejection when they're not. Okay. Okay. So you're saying you're going, so, so you're not saying that behaving a certain way is going to cause you to be rejected. You're saying that whatever ends up happening, it's all in the way that you perceive it. Is that right? Partly. And also influence comes in the subconscious. So let's say I'm afraid that you're going to reject me. Yeah. The tendency is to edit ourselves. Yes. So that we behave in a way that we will get more acceptance from that person. But subconsciously, they pick up on that because of their own fear of rejection. And they're far more likely to do things that are rejecting because they're repelled by this subconscious vibe that you're editing yourself. And editing is codependency. So I could be codependent on a friend because I want their approval. I edit myself to be appear as someone who I think they're not going to reject, that they're going to be more accepting. So I'm editing myself for this person, which is a codependent setup right off the bat. And they're more likely to want to reject me because I'm not being myself. And also the vibe that I'm sending out is a, a vibe of reject me, reject me. It's, it's deeply subconscious, right? And it's also tapping into their own fear of rejection. So they want to stay well away from someone who they're getting that vibe from. So they're far more likely to reject you. Oh my gosh. But also what I've realized is I can get a text from someone and I'll interpret it rejecting, like a rejecting text. And then I'll show my husband and he will look at it and go, that's not rejecting at all. They were just saying blah, blah, blah. And it's fine because of my lens, because of my filter. So what I'm realizing is I have to free that person from my influence in order to be free from their influence. So I have to, so influence, the subtext of influence is you might influence someone through passivity, uh, fear of rejection, control, manipulation. You know, you fill in the blank of mm -hmm. what it is that that person is doing to you or you're doing to them to provoke this situation, this kind of round and round rat race that you're in. So what I've realized is where I fear rejection, how I'm influencing that person is by editing myself, not being my true self mm -hmm. fear of their rejection is influencing them so I have to take responsibility for all of those things that I'm subconsciously pushing out to them mm -hmm. and I can't be free from their influence until I first free them of my expectation and a lot of it's to do with expectations that are way unrealistic and too high of that person like it's radical acceptance when it comes down to it what I'm heading towards is how can I radically accept this person for who they are and not have an agenda 
and an expectation, well, they should have done this and they should have replied within this amount of time. And if they really loved me, they would do that. It's yeah. all agenda driven, right? In order for me to feel loved, I want them to do this, this and this, because then I'll know that they're loving and loyal to me and that they really do appreciate me. I'm looking for these results. Yeah. Which is just like doomed to failure because you're basically testing that person constantly and they don't know it, but they're always going to fail. If you're going to put someone to the test and you've got these rules in your mind of how that person should respond to you, of course they're going to fail because it's such a complex and complicated obstacle course that they're having to navigate and they're clueless. They're just doing their thing, doing the best they can. But ultimately what I'm learning is I can't be free from their influence in my life until I free them of my expectations and my agenda and my fear of their rejection. And only at that point am I free myself once I freed them. Whereas I used to think that it was only them influencing me. Now I realize I am influencing others all the time. Oh, okay. That's when the penny dropped. It's like, where's my response? Again, this thing we were talking about, about taking responsibility. Yeah. It's like, I influence others to treat me certain ways. Yes. And that's my responsibility. If I want to be more free, I have to set them free from my influence first. Okay. Okay. So I want to kind of walk through this one more time just to make sure that I'm understanding it properly. So when... You are freeing somebody from your own influence. You're also letting go of that need for them to accept you. Yes. And also it's so I'll say this is all on the school run. You know, I've dropped my kids off. I'm like, I'll do my breathing exercise and I start with freeing the world of my influence because that's easy. If you can. So I'll say I free the world from my influence and I free myself from the influence of the world because it's big. It's easy. It's easy to free the world because it's just doing its thing. It's not personal. Or if I'm in a room, I'll look at the room and go, I free this room from my influence and I free myself from the influence of this room because I can't influence the room to be a different color or for there to be added furniture. It's easy. It's a concrete setup. So I start big and then get smaller and smaller. Okay. So I'm, freeing it from my influence, my expectation, all of those things that come under those brackets. And then I get smaller, I'll say, I free my mind from my influence and I free myself from the influence of my mind because that's my battleground. You know, my mind is a huge, big battleground, but I treat it as the mind that is kind of separate for me. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to I'm just freeing myself from expectations of my mind. And I do the same with my gut, which is where I hold a lot of anxiety. So I'll say I free the my, uh, my gut from my expectations and I free myself from the influence of my gut. Like I literally go through my body wherever I'm holding anxiety and then I get specific. So if there's, let's say Johnny, I felt rejected by Johnny. I free Johnny from my influence. So I'm no longer holding him expectations on that person I'm freeing him and I free myself from the influence of Johnny say so yeah but when influence can be many many things so I might say like basically what I'm doing through doing that is 
I free Johnny from my expectation that he's going to reject me. That's basically what I'm saying if it's rejection that I feel from this person. And I free myself from Johnny's influence of rejection over me. Okay. I, this is big. It, it took is me, big. Like, I, it takes a while to get your head around. Like it took me a, a, several weeks to understand what I was doing. And it's a thing that I practice every day because it's not something you need to really, it's a subconscious thing. So for me, it's a mantra. Even if I don't understand it, I can still be free because you're dealing with the subconscious. Right. So even if I can't grasp it, it doesn't really matter. In, I do it every day for six months. And then I'm going to be more free as a person because this is a deeply subconscious thing that I'm carrying with me. These expectations that I have of other people are not always things that I'm conscious of. Yeah. I know that for myself, there are a lot of times where all of a sudden I stop myself and I'm just kind of like, oh my gosh, like I've been behaving this way in this situation. And uh, because I'm expecting a certain result, as you were saying, right. like um, for me, like, a big thing is that people are going to think that I'm like kind of an idiot, and not really worthwhile. Like, like, yeah. so that's rejection. Yeah. Um, and I've, and it's taken about a year and a half of seriously trying to actually look at it and be honest with myself before I could even start to recognize just the simple fact that m the way that I am coming into a situation carrying that fear with me. Right. Like that does influence how Other people, their yeah, responses to you. Yeah. It's totally going to influence the way yeah. that that situation turns out. Right. Cause it's just like this, like it's, it's even when um, I've, I remember like just kind of like situations where you actually feel yourself holding back. Yeah. You're editing yourself at that yes. point. And yes. You can be codependent with the world. Like a lot of people feel no one is going to love me for who I am. I go out into the world as an edited person. So you're essentially codependent on the world because you're holding yourself answerable to other people and editing yourself because you want to have a greater acceptance. And if they really knew who you were, they wouldn't love you. Yes. So then I'm like, that's why I say I free myself from the influence of the world and I free the world from my influence because I don't want to go out into the world as an edited person. I need to try and be myself, even though there's that fear of rejection. Yeah. And like, you know, a lot of the times I, I feel like I'm if I'm just myself, I'm so boring. Right. <laughs> and there's like, these oh, beliefs. So but yeah. then, you know, a lot of them just are so not true, but we still edit ourselves based on these false beliefs. And so we act out of those false beliefs mm -hmm. and then people subconsciously do things that often, I think a lot of this is just interpreted as rejection or control or manipulation or whatever it is. It's just the receiver that we have and the filter that it goes through. I'll talk to my husband and say, well, clearly blah, blah, blah. And he goes, how could you get that from that situation? How could you twist it? And think that that person's rejecting you or being manipulative or anything because he looks at it and he's like, yeah, that was definitely totally benign. There's no agenda behind that as far as he's concerned. Right. And I realise, oh, I've got such a warped, like my filter is all leaning towards, well, of course, they probably didn't like me. And, you know, mm -hmm. and it's so mm -hmm. driven by that, that I will actually skewer things and my interpretation of it will be the way that I think that it should be like the, the, uh, what do they call it? The narrative that I've 
developed over years. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's, it's for me, like first thing in the morning as I'm doing the school run, freeing myself from the influence of certain people. Like, so it will be different all the time if I'm struggling in a particular relationship every day I'm going to be focusing on freeing that person from my influence and the subconscious impact I'm having on them to treat me a certain way and then I'm freeing myself from their influence and just trying to get to a point where even if I don't understand what this is doing I trust the process and that's what is really important for me is I I believe that this is important that the only way I can be free is by freeing others and radical acceptance of who they are is my pathway for growth. Even if I don't understand it fully, I'm going to do this as a practice mm-hmm. because I think it's there's there's something that resonates with me about doing that. I feel like I could get like I've actually felt my gut feel lifted and notably different after I freed it from my influence and treated it as a kind of outsider in a way because I always look to my gut to tell me what's going on like oh how does my gut feel am I nervous right now am I anxious Uh and I've put this expectation on my gut to be the barometer of my well-being whereas now I'm looking at it like I'm not going to put that on my gut I'm not going to some people feel anxiety in their chest or their throat or their shoulders like different for all people right Mm -hmm. and yet I'm I'm treating it like an outside entity Like, I'm not going to be subject to my mind. I need to get out of my mind. So I need to free my mind from my influence because there's a heck of a lot of expectations that I have of my mind to be negative, overthinking, you know, propel me into negative thoughts. Yeah. And so I want to be free from the influence of my mind. I don't want to be subject to it anymore. I'm so fed up of being a victim of my own mind or of my own gut with the anxiety that I hold there. So that's why I do freedom from influence of my gut and my mind, because they're the battlegrounds for me. Okay. And then I move on to relationships that could be challenging that I also need to be free from and free that other person as well. So when you're saying that your gut influences you, which I, yeah, it's like when it's like the thing that tells you to edit yourself. It's right? the, no, I it, get this nauseous feeling of anxiety in my gut. And so I'm checking in with my gut all the time. How do you feel right now? Are you feeling anxious right now? And it becomes a thing where I'm allowing it to dominate how I feel. Okay. Rather okay. than looking at it and go, no, I'm not going to let my gut influence how I feel today. I'm not going to let that anxiety, I'm going to be free from it and not allow it to dictate how this day goes or, you know, how I feel about myself. Okay. Okay. So I'm, okay. So I have another question that came up while you were talking about freeing other people from your influence and free and then freeing yourself from their influence. Um, what about when you approach a person who tends to be manipulative and it's something like, I mean, I feel like we all can relate to the experience of having a person that tries to guilt trip you and um, kind of plays some head games in order to get a certain result. And I guess, you know, I guess from what you were saying earlier, we all do that to an extent. Yeah. Uh, But then there are the people that it does seem to be a pretty strong way that they go like that they use their 
their lives. Their influence, they're influencing others through manipulation. Yes. So when you're, when you are freeing yourself from their influence, but they're also a person that is regularly a part of your life, would, would you have any suggestions on how to handle that or what to do? Well, my understanding as I'm getting into this more is the acceptance part is a, you can't change that person, mm-hmm. but what am I doing to provoke? Am I doing anything? So do I need to, what do I need to set them free from? What am I doing to influence them? There's this expectation that I might have of them to manipulate me, but mm-hmm. I've been around some people can hook me and others don't, which is really funny because some people can be highly manipulative and I just look at it and go, huh, they're being really manipulative right now, but yeah. I'm not hooked in. They haven't hooked me. And then other people just get under my skin yeah, and I can feel completely churned up and wound up by what they're doing. Yeah. And so that's what's interesting about how a lot of this is subconscious. It's not across the board like not every manipulative person's going to hook you but certain ones really really do and they get under your skin yeah and that's what I'm realizing for me is this mantra of they're not going to stop their behavior necessarily but um if I cannot be a receptive receptive to their influence and just basically go you know what I accept the fact that they're a manipulative person And I'm going to just keep practicing this until I reach a level of freedom where uh, they call it equanimity, where you are no longer hooked and affected. You can just accept. That's the goal for me to get to a place where I can just accept, huh, it's not personal. This person's raging angry, but you know what? It's not it's not actually anything I've, I haven't done anything wrong because my tendency, and I think if you do struggle with depression, mm-hmm. I self-analyze and I'm always blaming myself. Yeah. Well, I probably bought that. They were probably manipulative because I did something. It was, must be something I've done wrong. And yeah. now I'm starting to think more, you know what? I don't think I've done anything wrong. I don't think it's my fault. And the biggest issue for me when I spiral down is when I think something's my fault But a huge part of the puzzle for me in being free from someone else's influence is realizing I think I was okay. I think I didn't do anything wrong in this situation. And then it's less likely to drag me down because the worst part is, is when I'm mixed up in thinking, yeah, I maybe edited myself because I didn't want them to do this. And I was just somehow it's my fault that this whole situation has happened yeah so I'm starting to look at it more like I don't think I did anything wrong I don't think it was my fault and this isn't personal they are just they're manipulative with everyone and it's kind of creating some distance and going hmm that's their junk that's not my junk okay because I tend to take other people's junk on very easily Mm -hmm. so I think, I mean, obviously navigating relationships is just really, really complicated. Oh, amen. (laughs) But I mean, this, I'm only just starting this mantra thing that I'm doing every day. And I'm really hoping I'd even do it with my kids. I set my kids free from my influence. What agendas do I have over them? You know, what my husband, you know, all of just a lot. I don't want them to feel like I'm influencing them to be a certain way. 
I want to free them from my influence and I want to be free from their influence as well because they have an amazing ability to completely ruin my day. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Yes. So, you know, they influence me a lot. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm just starting on this, so I haven't got all the answers because I'm a newbie, (laughs) but I'm finding it really helpful because I do think there's something in it that acceptance of another person, regardless of whether they struggle with domination, manipulation, control, passivity, whatever it is, I have to get to a place where I'm no longer hooked by it and dragged down by it. And I want to be free. I mean, the whole motivation of all of this is I just want to be more free as a person. Like, that's the goal. Yeah. Yeah. So there's certain relationships that are what I call slow faders. And even if I'm not, this is the funny thing, you know, like the cancel culture. Yes. So you can block someone and it doesn't make them go away. And you can still think about them all the time, even though you've deleted them from your life. You know, you could cancel Trump. It's not going to make him go away. Right. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) People are cancelling it all the time and Uh he's still there. And he's still there. And these friendships that I've had in my life where I've been like, well, you know, we're not, you know, it didn't work out. But I still think about them because I'm not free from them yet. And that's what's interesting is that you can cut someone off and still not be free from them. Yes. And they still have a hold on you. And it pisses me off because yes. I still think about them when I drive past their house or go to a supermarket where I've seen them before or whatever it is. They've yes. got a hold on me. I call them slow faders because they're still in my head like years later. Yeah. And that's what I've realized is that some and I if I look back on people that have done that slow faders, usually they're people that I've edited myself to be more acceptable to them, realize that nothing I'm going to do is going to work. This We're obviously not compatible in our relationship or friendship or whatever, Mm -hmm. but they still got a hold on me because I desperately want their approval. That's the bottom line is I want the final uh, approval like nod, you know, that's what I'm looking for. And these are the few people that never, ever gave it to me, never gave me that like, I just need to know. And so many people have that with their parents or something like, you know, just like, I just want them to say they're proud of me Mm -hmm. and you can't get closure. Mm -hmm. And so the freedom from influence thing is, is my attempt to, Hey, there's some people that I might not ever have closure for because they died or we're not in contact anymore. And it would be ridiculous to knock on their door and you can't demand it from anyone. So how can I be free without them giving me the approval that I really want? And that's that's the thing is like, what if no that person is never going to give you what it is you were looking for Mm -hmm. and they just linger in your thoughts Mm -hmm. and it just pisses me right off when they're still frigging there three years later. Yeah. I don't want to be thinking about this person, you know, like. Yes. And the weird thing is, it's not as if I'm they're just there. It's not like I'm having a conversation with them. They're just this lingering figure in my life, taking up headspace that I don't I don't even want them to be there. You know? Yeah, it seems so involuntary. Yeah, totally. And but if I look back, there is a pattern. These people are people that I've essentially been codependent on because I've edited myself for them for their approval. They never did give me their approval. They've moved on in some way and I'm still in want. I'm still looking to them Mm -hmm. and I'm wanting their influence in one way, but they're actually influencing me in another way by taking up headspace. So I've just got to free them 
even if my influence hasn't been any existence, like just free that person so that I can be free, free them of any judgments that I've had on them and accept them that I'm never going to get what it is I want from this person. Yeah. And try, you know, it's, it's a kind of trial and everything, like the pathway to growth is, is for me, it's like the end game is I want to be me more free. How do I get there? It's just like, well, I try a bit of this and I try a bit of that. I'm just going to do whatever I can Mm -hmm. to not have these lingering broken relationships that I still think about. I just want to be done, you know? Yes. Closure. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's just pain in the ass. It totally is. Yeah. I actually had an experience just the other day where I finally realized that this person that has held an influence over me for my life, (laughs) like a good part of my life, (laughs) finally it was like it had gotten to the point where I didn't even have to think about how they may or may not be, like, aggravating me or whatever and so it happened when they like made like a comment on something that I did like Mm -hmm. online and I didn't see the comment my husband brought it up and told me and then I was just like oh okay and it was just all of a sudden like whatever and then he stopped and he looked at me and he's like you really don't care like you don't care if they approve or not and I was just like oh yeah no I don't I don't care that's awesome it was so great and it's encouraging when it happens once. Yeah. Because then you're like, but then it's like accidental. You're like, okay, how yeah, you can didn't do I, it on purpose. What? Yeah, you're like, so uh, how do I repeat this? And why couldn't I have done it 20 years ago uh, and saved myself all the headspace that I gave this yes. retarded situation? Exactly. And that's my goal is like, I don't want this to run its course because I know how long these things can drag out and it's like flogging a dead donkey. <laughs> you're just like, I don't want to have to drag this out. Is there any shortcut whatsoever yes. so I don't take up more room in my head for this person uh, that is of no relevance whatsoever. Right? <laughs> Just like, oh, get yeah. me out of this cycle. It's yes. literally like this cycle you get in. And yes. for me, cycles are always a whirlpool that go downwards. They're yes. never going to be up. But it's always like, okay, we're in a whirlpool and it's going down it's and going everything down. gets dragged in with it and it's so destructive. So yes. I'm just looking for shortcuts and <sighs> this particular technique may or may not work but I just don't want these people in my head anymore so, yeah. so it's like you're it's gonna accidental sometimes it, you just yeah, like, like oh I'm sudden. free all yes. of a sudden all of a sudden you're just like oh, oh. but that yeah, pisses me care. off when it's accidental because I want the formula so that I can repeat so can it in re- other uh, relationships I'm yes. like don't tell me that every single one's going to take 30 years to process uh, like have I got nowhere <laughs> uh, I know and there was this actually I, re- I can think of one other time where something was uh like I can actually think of the instant where all of a sudden a person lost their influence over me but it was uh but it was because somebody else that all of a sudden I was having this conversation with and I was like learning about them and I was just like you are such a cool person and Um, and then it was just like, we were sharing some of our experiences with each other. And then I decided that I was going to share like a huge vulnerability of mine towards another person. And they were talking to me and they just like looked at me and they were just like, like, I can't even remember what exactly they said. It was just something like, no, you you don't care about them anymore. Or like, you don't, whatever, like they're not worth it or whatever. And it was just all of a sudden, yes. (laughs) And you're like, like, you're right. (laughs) Oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. And then it was like, and then that that was it. It was done. But that happens in my life all the time where someone will say something that I'm sure I've heard 
different versions of before or I've told myself different versions of. And for whatever reason, it's the perfect moment for that revelation to suddenly hit. Yes. And like, why didn't it work before? I don't understand why, but right now it's working. Yes. And I grasp it. And I'm like, this is my whole thing in life is like, how can I get to these points sooner? Mm -hmm. Because time is a premium and I just don't want to take up any more headspace than I need to. Yeah. And it's like, I want to be able to have that control over myself Yes, because what, yeah, that thing that that person said to me, I was just like, yeah, I have said to that, that to myself more times than I could ever even remember. But someone else saying it to you is so much more validating because they're just basically it's gospel. They're just saying it as it is. And you're like, you're so right. Yeah. Yes. I just needed someone else to tell I me. Just needed somebody else to recognize <laughs> oh, bloody it. Bloody hell! Right? And like, yeah, like, well, shit. Yeah. I still can't do it myself. Damn it! It does take a village, after all. It does take a village, <laughs> as it turns out. We can't be fully no. independent. <gasps> but guess, let's like, say, for example, that um, comment thing on social media where that person commented. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the ways that I'm trying to practice is if someone does something like that, when I see it, go, I free myself from their influence, and I free myself. I free them from my influence and I free my and I do it as a it's even if it doesn't feel like it's going to do anything I'm doing it out of a discipline of that person's hooked me right now Mm -hmm. I free them from my influence and I free myself from their influence over me Um, okay because that's just a practice of believing that eventually I will make progress and find some level of freedom from that situation but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I well, yeah, but there and it does seem like there is something to the whole stating something that's not even necessarily true for you yet. Right, it's like quantum physics is it's putting it out there into the universe. Yeah, yeah, like that, and that seems to be like like that. Yeah. that's a thing. Yeah, like it and seems I think to, that is powerful because your vibration, your positive, you know, like that's the subconscious. That's what you're dealing with there is the things that people can't even artic- articulate. Yeah. It's just a presence. It's a atmosphere. And that just feels so wishy-washy, but it just, I, it's a thing. But it just It's real. A, it's, it sucks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, because it's, because I, I so badly want to be able to calculate it and yeah. be like, oh, well, obviously that doesn't make sense or obviously that does make sense and I can arrive at this conclusion on my own by using simple logic no but it's when you've got mental health that, struggles as well it's just it's like, like just yeah, logic load it goes up. right out the window completely the yeah. first thing I'm gonna think is this must be my fault what have I done wrong yes what's wrong with me that I even think this way because I know it's not a healthy way of thinking yes but I can't get out of it and now yeah. I'm stuck in this cracked record and all of uh, these negative things are swirling me into that whirlpool. Yeah. And before you know it, and I've got to remind myself, what did my mind just tell me? And I believed it. Because it happens so, so quick, quick in nanosecond. And just, it just slips right in there. Yeah. You don't yeah. notice until it's, you finally start to practice. Yeah. And be like, wait a minute, what just happened there? And like pay more attention. Yeah. And it's difficult to even pay attention when you don't know, know that you're not paying attention. Like the other day I was feeling really shitty, right? And Joseph, my husband said, oh, why are you feeling shitty? And then I thought, okay, what did my mind tell me that got me to this point where I'm actually feeling crap now? And what it was is <laughs> someone said, oh, have you seen Catherine, Catherine Zeta-Jones's new facelift or whatever? So I started Googling her. Okay. 
And I couldn't, I'm like, she looks amazing. Fuck, she looked really great. And then I started looking through her Instagram feed and it's all pictures of her on holiday with her family and everyone looks amazing. And oh, I love my kids and they're so accomplished. And here's her daughter playing like on a grand piano amazingly. Mm -hmm. And before the end of that, I'd scroll down. It was a social media wormhole. Yeah. I was feeling shitty about my own life. Well, I don't have a life like Catherine Zeta-Jones. And of course, yeah. it's so ridiculous. Yes. But it's so what my mind had told me was, your life isn't as good as hers. Yeah. And all of a sudden, three hours later, I'm in a bad mood. It's fascinating. And that's why social media is just so destructive for me, because mm-hmm. my mind tells me lies. Of course, you're not going to take a family photo where everyone's looking miserable. No, why would Who you do does that? that? Yeah. So obviously she's curated. Everyone does. Yep. Everything looks amazing. Her mm-hmm. life is sparkly and she's mm-hmm. rich yep. and she looks beautiful and all these things. And before you know it, I'm going, well, I'm not a good mum because mm. my I don't take photos of that and say things like that about my kids on social media. You yep. know, like yep. it's just ridiculous. Uh, oh my gosh, yes. So I can spiral even, and I would have gone on to forget that. I wouldn't have even known yeah. if I hadn't said, what did my mind tell me that I went and believed? And it was, I'm a crappy mum. I'm not as happy as she is. Mm-hmm. You know, all these random things that are based on a curated Instagram account Mm -hmm. that is not even real but I totally fell for it yeah and that happens all the time and it can be so subtle that it literally affects the rest of my day Mm -hmm. and I don't know how I got there Ugh. yeah pain in the ass it's a pain in the ass it is I find that I also get like I get on this downward spiral spiral when I'm thinking about how I should be like so for an example and this is like something that I'm so sensitive about um is is definitely my physical body so I've grown up I always grew up as like the kid that um like didn't really like I never really had weight as an issue like it was never something I really thought about and then it wasn't until I you know got pregnant and then I like gained a lot of weight in my first pregnancy um and then it was something that all of a sudden I was kind of like oh this is happening like and this is a thing and I can get like really like I can be bothered by the way that my body looks when I wasn't so much thinking about that before Mm -hmm. and then and now I uh so this is this this is a small and I mean I'm saying this like it's an unusual thing I mean yeah like all people yeah like have this kind of like these thoughts that they struggle with um so the other day I posted a video of me doing uh like an uh ice water dip like so I just kind of dipped in a lake Mm. and came back yeah and I was I was in a bathing suit and afterwards I was like oh I should have worn my one piece I should have worn my one piece because you can see the love handles the love handles, like they follow me everywhere. It's always been a thing. Doesn't matter if, like, and it's like I guess it's just the way my body is designed. It doesn't matter how much I weigh or right. how thick or thin I am. Yeah. I'm gonna have those love handles. Like it's going to be like I turn my my body a certain yeah. way, and then it's that. There and so and there they are. But but because I haven't been able to exercise as much lately because I've been having some lung issues for like the last yeah. six months, it's like um, now it's. I'm not getting that, I'm not getting the endorphins from exercising to right. make, that makes me feel better yeah. and I'm not as fit. 
Right. It's the perfect storm. (laughs) It's the perfect storm. And so I was looking at that video and I was hating it. I was seeing how many views, I was seeing how many views it had. Yeah. And I was just like, that's that many people. That's how my love handles. (laughs) And you actually chose to post this. And I chose to post it. And it was one of those things that it was like, even when I was going to post it, I was just like, I even thought, Ruth, you're going to be a little bothered by this. Yeah, yeah. And then the other part of me was just like, but everyone's human. Nobody's looking at you the way that you're looking at you. And you like, and it's very healthy to just kind of be honest about where you're at and all that kind of thing. But I can't, like, I just now, I'm going to have to just let that video be itself and out there because it is accomplishing what I'm hoping it to accomplish, which is like a pursuit to be, uh, to get into a healthier mindset and practice healthier, uh, healthier activities anyway but yeah it's like I have to just kind of let it be there and then also just like accept that like I'm okay yeah like I'm okay yeah and it's okay and we all like um everybody has like a part of their body that if they think about it too much they're gonna be kind of like that bothers me so much yeah my love handles that's just like (laughs) hate him hate my love handles try when i'm 41 like next week yeah so suddenly you're faced with aging Mm. which is a very inconvenient truth you know it's just Mm -hmm. wow this is new territory for me having to embrace it without spiraling down into that kind of vortex of that's it you know it's all downhill from here and it is really, really difficult because I think it's something that, uh, yeah, I mean, self-esteem issues are just can be very tormenting. Yeah. And having three kids myself and turning 41 and I'm working my ass off just to stay healthy mentally and physically as well. Yeah. But I'm plagued by the same things. And it's it's just it doesn't matter what area it is. That's what's crazy is that you can believe these things. What did my mind just tell me? And there's so many areas that it filtrates into Mm -hmm. that, you know, potentially every area can be a battleground. But we all have our the ultimate battleground. You know, it's just like, oh, God, this is to me like battling the ego is Mm. just like the biggest battleground of all. Yeah. And I know that's the case for everyone, but it's like, golly, can I ever subdue this? Because it's it's such a beast. Yes. Um, and part of that is the ego thing, right? Is that you're bat- what you're battling is your adult self, your, your soul is saying, hey, everyone's, you know, it talks reason to you in that moment when you posted it and mm-hmm. then your ego takes over yes. right there. It's like nipping at your heels yes. all the time. And like, it's just exhausting because that is a mental health battle is that we all, regardless of whether you've had depression or not, everyone battles with their ego. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is something that we all have to, like it's the final battleground mm-hmm. for all of us. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's like, doesn't matter if you've had depression or not, if you're dealing with that, like every human does, you're having to overcome this war that's going on between the soul that says, hey, you know what? You're great just as you are and mm. you can handle this and everything's going to be fine. And then your ego going, just screaming, running around the streets. Yes. <laughs> going like wild. falling apart. <laughs> yeah. You know. It's too much. But at the same time, it's going, look at me, look at me. No, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Yeah. yeah. It's look so at me. Don't look here. No, yeah. don't look there. Look here. Ooh. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's just, just like, like I said. looking now. Oh, no, don't look. Stop, stop. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, it's so exhausting dealing with that. But oh. that is just like, that is part of the human condition, right? Yes. And that's what I'm realizing there's the biology 
that some of us have to deal with certain things like rage issues or bipolar or depression or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then there's the ego that's the cherry on top Ugh. that everyone gets to deal with regardless of all of those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what your background is. Those two things are going to have to be like the burden of our life is how how to overcome those two things is your biology and your ego. It's like that is mostly what I feel like I'm grappling with on a daily basis. Yeah, that's. And it flip flops, you know, because I'm an artist as well. So partly, you know, I have this battle of. Okay, I want to be able to have a platform to show that I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. But then when I do that, my ego's right there wanting attention. And then I'm like, well, maybe I should just do nothing and hide it away because I don't want to encourage the ego. And then there's that belief that you shouldn't bury your talent and that you need to actually not waste those things that your you know your your kind of gifts that you've been given right because it's like your duty to share right them. and then when you do that your mm-hmm. ego's right there taking yeah. full advantage of the situation wanting it to be like an exhibitionist you know and yeah. so I end up shelving it and be like right I'm coming off everything I'm off social media I'm not doing art anymore because I can't handle grappling with my ego yeah and then I'm left thinking yeah but what am I going to do with the gifts that I've been given I have a responsibility yeah to not waste them Mm -hmm. but I know what it takes to get out there and actually walk that out and having to basically walk the tightrope of you know that the ego wants to be worshipped but the soul wants to give back Mm. so you know that's that's how I'm trying to see it is like when I'm in my ego what I want more than anything is all of that attention for myself. But when I'm operating through the soul, it's okay. How can I like you're you're doing a podcast? Your motivation is soul propelled in that you want to help other people. Yeah. To me, that's like a soul propelled. It, it'd be different if you're I'm doing this because I want this attention all for myself, and you're just doing it for your own ends. You know, your own means. Right. Yeah. And there's a purity, I think, to what the soul wants, which is let's propel this and put it out so that it can actually inform and help other people. But you're still navigating this really treacherous minefield of I could slip into the ego within a split second. Oh, yeah. And suddenly it's all about me. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm I'm there most of the time, it seems, lately. Like, it's just kind of like... Well, that's probably not completely accurate to say that. I should give myself a little bit more credit. I and guess, you get to sleep eight hours, and, so you get a break then when you're sleeping. Exactly. <laughs> I get a break when I'm sleeping. So technically, it's probably only a few hours a day. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of like, because then it's like starts at this like good spot where you're kind of like, oh, well, I want to make sure that, you know, my good intentions are uh, are readily available to the people that could really benefit. Yeah. But then you're like, okay, well, so then I have to get it up get it out there, get it out there. And then it's like, well, why aren't so many people listening to my podcast? And why don't I have more followers on Instagram? And and then all of a sudden it just turns into this ego trip. Yeah, totally. Oh, and like, yeah, I'm there. Like I, And then you've got the whirlpool effect of spiraling down. Yes. And then you're like, I suck. Yeah. And I hate everything. Do you know what? Why do I even try? I'm not even doing this anymore. It's like, it obviously doesn't matter. No one cares. (laughs) I don't care. I'm over it. (laughs) And that's where you start rejecting You know, some people fall into this where they think that they're doing it out of a place of freedom where they go, 
you know what? I'm going to, I just reject everyone. They edited themselves for the world to such an extent that they suddenly snap and go, you know what? Fuck the lot of you. I'm out of here. Block everyone. Not interested. But that's still not being free. That's true. You still aren't free when you block everyone and you hide away and you reject the world. Yeah. That's not freedom. No. Neither is it freedom to be out there desperate for people's approval and editing yourself for the world. That's not freedom either. The tightrope is Mm. accepting other people, freeing yourself from their influence and being yourself and actually thinking, I'm actually, I've got gifts. I've got good things to give. Yes. You know, and... don't reject other people just because you are afraid they're going to let you down. Like oh. I'm terrible for preempting rejection. So oh, I'm like, yeah, I've got the back door just cracked open. <laughs> I'm heading there right now, but subtly, so no one can notice. And the yeah. minute I even get a whiff of like not being accepted, I am out. I'm off like a prom dress. Like <laughs> <laughs> I am. I've got the whole thing rigged. Like oh my god, I always have the back door in my. Uh, it, you know, in my yep. sight, because I'm like, I got to preempt all of this, <laughs> which I, is yeah. way worse. It is. Because it's, you're yeah. not, I'm not going to even be here when the shit goes down. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to be, I'm going to be long gone because my instinct is a flight instinct. I don't have a fight instinct. It's flight all the way. So it's self-preservation. Mm. Run as fast as you can. Don't mm-hmm. look back. Mm-hmm. Don't allow yourself to be hurt. Ugh. And of course, it doesn't prevent any of those things. No. In fact, it, it probably makes it worse. Yeah. yeah. Because in the meantime, you even when things are going well, you're kind of suffering yes, because you're preempting you're like, all of that. Yes. Because you're just like, oh, it's only I'm a matter of time. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, that. yeah. Everything's like, well, maybe they, maybe they aren't, don't, maybe they don't like me that much. And, you know, you're just analyzing everything, torturing yourself. Yeah. It prevents you from just enjoying it yeah. when you're there. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, so all of that happens before 8.30, before I get to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> We just spent the last hour talking about how, uh, yeah, just spent the last hour talking about your trip from the school to the gym. Exactly. I wanted wanted to get through your whole day. We got through the first. We're about 8.30 Yeah, 8.30. Yeah, and I've already literally thought about all of this stuff before 8.30 for sure. Oh my gosh, (laughs) that's amazing. Yeah. Okay, so... We're going to have to have you on again oh, so right, that we yeah. can see the rest of your get day. Get past 8.30. So we can get past 8.30. Maybe we'll get up to 11. Yeah. We'll see. Things um, get progressively more interesting as the day goes on, for I sure. I can <laughs> only imagine. If that's your start, ah, you yeah. could write a book on one of your uh, days. Yeah. Well, when it comes down to it, it's like getting those disciplines in place, for sure, is the key to, you know, keeping everything on track, for yeah. sure. But yeah, oh, that's where I'm at at the moment. I like, I love having these kinds of conversations. I love getting this kind of advice from someone who's... Advice, oh my gosh, I wouldn't... <laughs> you're just like, no, that's too no, strong of a word. But, that's, yeah. <laughs> but I, Don't get carried away now. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting crazy. <laughs> uh, but no, I would definitely, yeah. I would take it as advice. Right. And because it's like, you know, this... Uh, way of living that's obviously proving to be beneficial. Yeah. I mean, look at you. Um, right, I'm here. You're here <laughs> I showed up. <laughs> and you're existing. Yes. No, but uh, no, but I mean, like, I just from the conversations that we've yeah. had, uh, like today, and when we met up before, it yeah. was very uh, like you're putting this work in, you're putting this thought in, and I th- yeah. like it's such a good indication of 
Right. Like you're doing I'm working things. my ass off just you're, to be able to. Yes. <laughs> but I think the also the key is, and then this is what you've got as well, is the vulnerability to share your journey as it's happening. Because so many people say, oh, I used to struggle with this, but now I'm fine. But now I'm good. Well, that's yeah. no use to me. I want to know what are you struggling with today and how on earth are you navigating that? Because to me, that's vulnerability and that's what draws people in is like you have to be relatable yes and so sharing this journey even though it is a very fragile thing and very vulnerable to share it while it's happening it's so much easier to wait till it's all done right but we'll yeah. be like 80 yeah exactly <laughs> so on your just deathbed. share it as and when it's happening I think but yeah. even so you're like the Brené Brown quote has stuck with me throughout. Oh, I love her. Oh, she's the best. What did she say? Vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up uh, yes. regardless of the outcome. Yes. And to me, that's like every day it's getting in the arena, getting get your ass arena. kicked by life. Yes. But not choosing to walk away and go and sit on the bleachers, but actually sitting through that and allowing yourself to stay in the arena and, and not seeing vulnerability as either winning or losing. It's neither of those things. It's just have the courage to show up uh, and just share your journey. Yeah. Because ultimately, most people are struggling with this, even if they look like everything's successful and going well underneath all of that. And that's the bit that I'm interested in is getting underneath the surface and finding out, OK, where's your vulnerability yeah. Where, where is the part of you that makes you human? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it makes you more relatable and approachable as a person. Mm -hmm. And that's that's ultimately it's bringing in the village. Like we need the village. The village has disintegrated over this century. Mm. And I feel that's been a huge detriment to all of our families and how, you know, raising our homes and all of these things like our mental health. Yeah. The loss of the village has been a massive detriment to us. I would totally agree. And to me, it's like vulnerability is the only way to try and piece together some sort of village effect in our lifestyles as we live right now. How can we incorporate that? Vulnerability is like the only way I can think of that we could actually reconstruct a village mentality. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, we're not like sharing a kitchen in the middle of the, in the middle of the tribe, like it used to be, you know, like as it used to be, things were actually communal in a very physical sense. Now we've got bricks and mortar. We've got our own homes. We're mm -hmm. very isolated in that sense. And I think that's been really, really detrimental to family life and to marriages. Mm. But how can we actually create a village given the suburban like bricks and mortar life that we now have yes and think that's why podcasts are popular because I think ultimately people don't want to be alone they want to hear people chattering about long form like discussions on life and because that's what we're instinctively built for I yeah oh podcasts are like a like being in someone else's kitchen as they're exactly. having exactly it's the village and I think yeah. people we underestimated you know how much people are willing to listen to a three hour podcast why because our in our bio like our literal biology is built for that and we long for it because we know we're not alone when I'm listening to a podcast I feel like I'm it's great company yes it's excellent company. it is amazing yeah but that's the village mm. and we as humans we don't even know why we're like why am I drawn to this I think it's because we have a craving to be back in the village again and that is it's so just constantly yeah. society is disintegrating that but even so the human spirit 
still manages to pioneer. You know, you've got social media and how much it's anti-social media. Mm. But even through that, podcasts have come to the top of the heap. Why? Because the human spirit is so longing for connection and for that village effect that I think it overrides the other things that are coming at us that aren't very productive. And, you know, it's like, ultimately we crave it. Ah, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. That's so well put. But that's what that's what this is all about, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Look at us. Yeah. We just figured it out. Yeah. It all, figured it out. Yeah. Put yeah. the world to rights right here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> In one hour flat. In, yeah. I think go. that's some some serious talent. <laughs> yeah. But that's because we got three kids and we're efficient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no dilly dallying. No. <laughs> we ain't got time for all this dilly dallying. No, we don't have time for that. <laughs> Right. Thank you so much. Thank You're you welcome. so much for taking the time to That's be out great here. Fun. Oh, this is a great conversation. Yeah. We we will do this again. Yes, okay, definitely. Good. Okay, good. Um, so thank you. Yeah. And everyone thank listening, you thank you so much for listening. And you help make this village. So thank you. Yeah, village people. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and just remember that uh, wherever you are, Abigail and I are sitting here loving you. So have an excellent morning, evening, afternoon, night, and we'll be talking to you soon. Bye.